At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to The Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, uh, reporting from Frankfort, Kentucky. On this uh, edition of The Commonwealth Matters, I'm with State Senator Robbie Mills, actually in his office on the second floor of the uh, Annex building. Robbie, welcome to the program. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. Hey, full disclosure, for those of you that don't know, Robbie's a personal friend. I'll get that <laughs> out of the way for a long time. Also Where? a former board member of the Commonwealth Policy Center, so want to get that out at the beginning yep. of the program. Uh, but we're here today to talk about some pro-life legislation. And, and Robbie, this is something I know your heart and where you've been on this issue in the past, but this is a big issue to you, isn't it? The, it the is. right to life issue. It is. The right to life issue is one of the uh, bedrock issues that uh, has motivated me to be involved in the legislative process and have uh, been very interested in my local crisis pregnancy center. My wife, my mom volunteer there. I volunteer as well. You know, this is one of those issues that uh, can be very controversial, not just can be, it is controversial. There are some people who might say that I'm pro-life, but when they get into office or a place of influence, they don't necessarily um, put action to their words or their beliefs. And there's a cost to it, because this is an issue that touches people at a deep level. There are many women, as you know, being involved with a local pregnancy care center that are affected by tough decisions. Women who are in difficult circumstances. They might be in an abusive relationship. They might be in a situation that uh, they can't, don't believe they can support the child. They don't maybe have good uh, support network around them. And uh, it's, so it's a tough issue. But how do you respond to that when you know that somebody's in a difficult position and yet you, Robbie Mills, as a state senator, are saying, I'm pro-life and I don't think abortion should be the solution. How right. do you respond to that? It's, I mean, I, I think there are bedrock issues that right and wrong in that we deal with as a legislator. Uh, there are areas for compromise, but there are also areas where you can't compromise. And obviously, the life issue for me and for many uh, pro-life legislators are uh, issues that you just cannot compromise on. And you're in a position where you don't just say, I'm for legislation, but you've supported your local pregnancy care center. Tell us a little bit about that. What does that center do? Uh, they help uh, women in crisis pregnancies and yeah. whatever is needed in their lives. I mean, they give them education. It's yeah. not just about the keeping them from having an abortion. It's, it's support, yeah. mentoring, uh, giving them diapers, food, clothes that they need, uh, things that they need to encourage them to keep the baby and to uh, bring up a healthy uh, child in, in this society. So you're not just pro-life when the, the young child is in the womb, but you're pro-life when that child is born. Absolutely. And you want to see that woman encouraged and supported, and you want to wrap your arms around her, so to speak, and Absolutely. help her through that uh, difficult time. Yeah, those, lady, those young ladies need help, need support. They're confused. And when you can step in and mentor and meet some needs in their, you know, physical needs yeah. in their life and spiritual needs in their lives, uh, they, you earn credibility and trust with them, and it's all uh, good. So. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Um, so you are a pro-life legislator from Henderson, Kentucky. 
you're actually going to introduce a bill this session, uh, Senate Bill 50. It's the um, abortion drug, uh, chemical abortion clarification bill, I think is what you're calling it. That's that correct. correct. That's tell correct. Us, tell, tell us about that. And I mean, the trouble that you have titling this bill is exactly why we're having, we're having this conversation around chemical abortions. Chemical abortions are a, a, a prescription drug that a doctor gives to a, a, a newly pregnant or you know, up to eight weeks pregnant uh, young lady that uh, will cause that baby uh, to die and be discharged. Is that common? Are chemical abortions common in Kentucky? It, it, is, yeah. it is very common, and that's the reason for this legislation, is that we want to make sure that, uh, that the folks in the abortion industry uh, realize that us on the pro-life side understand that the abortion business is moving toward chemical abortions. And it's uh, 47% of all the abortions in 2017 were chemical abortions. And this is when a drug is given and another drug is taken home with the, the patient. They take it two days later and they actually have the abortion, unfortunately, in the bathroom, hmm. unprotected, un, and, and with no uh, counseling about the emotional issues that are involved in that, and they have the baby in the toilet. So this is where high levels of hormone are given in that first drug mm -hmm. th that would cause the, the woman to reject the child, to reject that uh, unborn life in her womb. Right. But then the second, so that first pill is administered in the doctor's office, mm -hmm. and then the second one is administered within two or three days? Two days. Two, two days. days. And what that does is cause the uh, you know, the uterus to detach and the baby to be, you know, born dead. And and so you'd mentioned the psychological trauma. Yeah. So a lot of women aren't really prepared for this, or you think right. they're not prepared for what is about to happen. And I think, I think moving forward, you're going to see a lot of emotional scars and wounds in young ladies that uh, discarded a child this way, and it's going to be more help that's going to be needed in the future. So, so we're talking, just to be clear, this is uh, the first trimester, somewhere between four weeks when the woman would find out she's pregnant, all the way up to, is it 12, 13 mm -hmm. weeks? Somewhere it could be around country? 12 weeks. I mean, typically uh, around the six to eight week mark is when you see a lot of these abortions happening. And what could lead to the trauma is that at 12 weeks, you have a human being. You mm -hmm. can see the head, the hands, the feet. Heartbeat. The heartbeat, the heart is beating, and uh, you bring up a good point that a lot of women may not be prepared for this. So your bill, Senate Bill 50, brings clarity to this. What is happening with an abortion-inducing drug? Also, there's another provision in there, too, uh, regarding full disclosure, isn't there? Yeah, uh, well, we are, uh, we are working toward full disclosure, but what this bill does is actually requires that the, this chemical abortion is actually reported to vital statistics. Uh, right now, it's an understood. Some of the uh, chemical abortions are being reported. Uh, this legislation will make sure that uh, the doctors that give that prescription understand that this needs to be reported every time. So we get a full understanding of how many abortions are occurring in our state. In 2017, there was th a little over 3,300 abortions that happened. But you know, my point is, you know, there probably were more yeah. because possibly all of the chemical abortions were not reported uh, to vital statistics. And you want to make sure that 
everybody that's involved with abortions, especially with chemical abortions, are reporting these to the right, vital statistics. Right. I really think that the abortion industry uh, in some states and uh, in Kentucky may be flying under the radar a little bit, and this this puts them out there. And this also the bill also requires vital statistics to put it on their web on the cabinet's website in plain view, so everybody can find out how many abortions are occurring every year so they can find out, you know, the atrocities that are still going on. Robbie, we've got just a few seconds here, but does this bill have a chance of passing this it session? It does. This is a priority piece of legislation, and uh, it's, uh, it, will, it will pass, I believe, this session. Right. Robbie Mills, thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the program. We are talking pro-life issues. Uh, and with me in this segment is State Senator Matt Caslin from Owensboro. Matt, uh, welcome to the program. I appreciate you having me, Richard. Hey, uh, and I appreciate you. I just need to get it out there. And there's no question that the Commonwealth Policy Center is a pro-life organization. We believe that the sanctity of human life is a pillar of our society, that one of the objects of good government is to protect innocent human life. But that has not been the case since 1973, since the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion on demand. And what many people don't realize is that uh, abortion is widely available, very easy to uh, obtain one, and it's available all the way up to the ninth month of pregnancy. So late-term abortions are legal in most of the country as well. But uh, Matt, uh, we're here in the Capitol Annex in Frankfurt, and you just mentioned to me just a few minutes ago uh, about a bill that you've proposed, and I appreciate, by the way, your willingness to come, because I just we passed each other and you mentioned this pro-life bill, and which I didn't know about. I'm grateful for but I'm also grateful that you had, uh, you've got a few minutes to, to spend with us. Absolutely. Tell us about, so what, what do you have uh, in, in, in mind with this? Okay, so I've been working on this bill for quite some time uh, when I was in the House, and uh, you know that I was running for the Senate, so the reason I held on to this bill and a lot of people didn't know is you know, I had to win the Senate race first. Yeah. And so uh, once I won the Senate race, I started uh, working again on this bill, and this is the fetus heartbeat bill. And Okay. What this particular bill does, uh, Richard, is it eliminates uh, an abortion after detection of a heartbeat. And, you know, that's somewhere between six and eight weeks, uh, depending on what uh, medical experts you speak to. And so this is something that uh, I'm really excited to be working on as, a, as someone who's pro-life and 100% pro-life. Uh, one of the biggest reasons I ran uh, for the race I did in the House and then again in the Senate is to protect life. You know, yeah. if you look at our founding fathers— you know, we were endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. That means we are created in his image yeah. with rights that don't come from men and women, but they come from God. And life is the first one and the pursuit of happiness and liberty. You look at those things that they said. And so, you know, I want to make sure that we do what we can to protect life in the womb and outside of the womb as well. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. You touched on something that's so important, something that we forget, is that uh, we are made in the image of God, and that the, the, the purpose of government is to protect our inalienable rights. That uh, because uh, we're endowed by our Creator, it means that government didn't give us those rights, but God gave us those rights, and the purpose of government is to protect them, which there's an interweaving of God and government, which we often don't see it that way. You think that if you talk about God or refer to the Creator, that you're somehow blurring the lines of separation of church and state, but of course it's not the case from what the Declaration of Independence says, and it's not the case when it comes to preserving human life, and that's what you're doing with this fetal heartbeat. Bill, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the specifics, if you will, uh, because right now there is a, a couple of bills that ban abortion in Kentucky. Two years ago, the 20-week abortion ban went into effect. That was the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. Last legislative session, the 11-week abortion ban went into effect. That's being challenged in court. Both of those are being challenged. Uh, but now you're talking fetal heartbeat. What? When is a fetal heartbeat detected? Anywhere between six and eight weeks is what is what we're being told from the medical professionals. Okay, so six to eight weeks when a woman goes in for an ultrasound, they'll detect the heartbeat, which a heartbeat is an indication of life. That means that there's a new life that's there. And your bill says what when that heartbeat is detected? So, so when this heartbeat is detected at that point, then it, it would be illegal to have an abortion unless it is an emergency that would uh, affect the mother's life. And then that has to be decided by a medical professional, put into the records of, of their practice for seven years and in the woman's records, uh, medical uh, records for life. Wow. What kind of support do you have in the Senate? Is, is uh, there a lot of support for I, this? I think there's a lot of support. It's a priority bill uh, this year, and I'll be filing it today. Okay. Uh, here on do we, the, do oh, we have a number? Senate Bill 9. Senate Bill 9. And, and is that your, di- no, your Senate District 8. Senate District 8, yes. Okay, so and then it's Senate Bill 9 yes, that Senate you're Bill introducing. Nine. What kind of opposition is out there? Why would somebody be opposed to something like this if you detect that there's a heartbeat and that there's a new human life uh, evident in the womb of a mother? Why would somebody be opposed to something like this? I, I couldn't imagine how someone could be opposed to it. You know, they their statistics show that 90% of all unborn children, if they reach the, the past the first trimester where you can detect a heartbeat, that they have a 90% survival rating. Hmm. And, and so when you, when you look at society and you, you think about life, what, what do we do whenever we, we decide if someone is, is living, whenever our volunteer fire department or ambulance or anybody, they always check for a heartbeat because that's a sign of life. And so when I started working on this bill, you know, I would, I, would, I would love to see so many people get behind this in our churches and our local communities because yeah. life is what carries this nation forward, and it's so important. You know, it's interesting you mentioned first responders, um, fire, volunteer firefighters or regular firefighters or um, emergency personnel. They're there to rescue people. They're there to help people in a crisis. And in a sense, I, it dawned on me that what you're doing, this legislation is— an effort to rescue people, That's vulnerable right. uh, human life in the womb. Absolutely. And uh, how much of this, the abortion issue, do you think is 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 here because there's so much darkness or misinformation or women just aren't given all the information that they need? Does that play into this a lot? You know, I, I think some of it does. Uh, you know, I think there's also, a, a, you know, people are looking for a, a way out because, you know, I mean, I, I'll say this as a father, a uh, father of two children, you know, I mean, 
I'm there to be the father of my two children along with my wife and, and to raise them. And so, you know, when, when you have a lady who is, who is, is considering picking life or death for her child, I think if we as a society, we as a family, we as a church, we're surrounding this individual to be there to help support and raise this child, we would see less and less abortions all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you just mentioned that you're a father. Um, you've got young children, so you've seen this young life develop in the womb and then finally come into the world, and that has to impact you, doesn't it, to, it, it, to have your own family and your own children? It impacts me very, very much. And, you know, my wife and I are also uh, going through the process of adoption. We've been approved. And because we, when we say we're 100% pro-life, you know, if we're going to ask a mother to, to give, child, give a child life, then we need to be there to support this child that might not necessarily have a home. And so my wife and I are strong proponents for adoption and are, and are working through the process ourselves. Yeah, so you really are pro-life, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Not just of your own children, but of other children who need a forever family. Absolutely. That's awesome. Awesome. Matt, it, when you were campaigning, and we got just a minute how big of an issue was the sanctity of life issue? You know, in our community, in Davis, Hancock, and McLean County, it was a major issue. You know, we are a, we're a great community, and I think a lot of people hold this uh, issue near and dear to their heart. I've heard a lot of people from my community wish that abortion would just disappear, you know. And so yeah. this is something that the community, I believe, is behind me on and, and that we're working uh, daily to try to end. Matt Castlin, State Senator from Davis County. I appreciate you joining us on the Commonwealth Matters. God bless you and your time up here in Frankfurt, and I do wish you well with that uh, bill. Thank you. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. On this edition of the program, we've been talking about a couple of pro-life bills introduced in the General Assembly. On this last segment, I'd like to talk about the pro-life movement in general. It was 46 years ago that the U.S. Supreme Court legalized abortion on demand in all 50 states. They struck down every single state law that restricted abortion. Since then, there's been a huge backlash against what I think is the most notorious ruling in the history of the Supreme Court, if not the most notorious, it's one of them. Uh, So why are people outraged? Why is there a pro-life movement? Why have people been marching on Washington every single January 22nd since that ruling was handed down in 1973? Well, Russell Moore, the head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission in Nashville, uh, posted a blog several years ago. I think that really captures why people are uh, so involved with restoring the, hu- the sanctity of life here in, the, in Kentucky and across the country. His blog post said this, Why I Hate Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And that's kind of ironic because he is a pro-life individual. But he goes on to say he's, he hates it because he's reminded 
that we have to say things to one another that human beings shouldn't have to say, that mothers should not kill their children, that fathers should not abandon their babies, that no human life is worthless regardless of skin color, age, disability, economic status. The very fact that these things must be proclaimed is a reminder of the horror of this present darkness. I think Russell Moore uh, captures the angst and the frustration over our day and age where abortion on demand is legalized all across the country. I'd like to take uh, the remainder of our time to address many of the common objections to the pro-life movement. Uh, The first is that abortion is okay because it's not really a life. You often hear uh, pro-choicers or the abortion lobby call it a blob of tissue or a product of conception. Those are nice euphemisms, but they're not accurate. Uh, The truth is, is that when a human life is created, a human being is formed, even at the one-celled zygote stage. This is the very beginning of a human life. And, hey, it's not plant life. It's not a puppy or a bird. It is a human being. Uh, Another objection is that life is not viable before it's born. Uh, But, you know, at fertilization, the tiny human embryo has all of the genetic material uh, for that human life, and it just needs time to fully develop. It's entirely dependent on its mother for those first nine months in the womb. Uh, But you know what? Even after it's born, it is just as dependent on that mother for years, really. It would not survive outside the womb uh, unless somebody cares for it, nurtures it, and keeps it warm, and keeps it safe, and changes its diapers. Uh, But that human life is fully dependent on the mother outside the womb, just as it is a month or two months before it's born. Consider that life is a continuum. Uh, At 22 days, the baby's heart begins to beat. At 35 days in gestation, eyes, legs, and hands begin to develop. At 42 days, uh, brain waves are detectable. At eight weeks, every single organ in that baby in utero is in place. At 10 weeks, fingerprints are forming, and by week 12, The unborn baby's vocal cords are complete, and the baby can suck its thumb. The spinal cord nerves are developed enough to experience pain. And you know that the majority of abortions occur between 8 to 12 weeks while this young, very tiny human life is forming in the womb. Another objection is that the Bible doesn't recognize life in the womb, but actually the Bible does recognize life in the womb. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, 13-14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In the book of Exodus, chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, unborn life is recognized in the womb as well. It says this, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, so that her children come out, there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But there is no harm, then you shall pay life for life. So here you clearly see in the Old Testament that God's word affirms life in the womb and its protection. One of the common uh, arguments for abortion 
or one of the refrains we hear, is that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. And that was a mantra we heard largely through the 1990s and 2000s. You still hear it today. But you know, abortion is never safe. One person's always left behind unalive. They're left dead in the abortion uh, center. Uh, It should not be legal because it's the unlawful taking of an innocent life. And then there are those who say it should be rare, which I think that at least that's done in lip service, but those who say it should be rare are really doing nothing to stop nearly one million abortions every year in this country. Those who say it's rare usually are the biggest opponents to any restrictions on abortion. Some say that abortion is a deeply personal decision that should only be made between the woman, a doctor, and her God. But you know, whenever another person is involved, nobody has a right to take that life, regardless of where that person is, whether it's in their house or in the womb. Listen to what John Calvin once said. If it seems more horrible to kill a man in his own house than in a field, it ought surely to be deemed more atrocious to destroy a fetus in the womb before it has come to light. Get back to a couple other biblical passages that speak to the life issue. In Genesis chapter 4, we read of the first murder, where Cain killed Abel. And this is what it says, beginning in verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So in this case, Abel's blood cries out from the God and cries out from the ground, rather, and God hears it. I wonder today what the blood of a million babies sound like to God today. Uh, Since abortion has been legalized in 1973, been well over 50, I believe it's nearing 60 million abortions in this country. Cain killed Abel because he was jealous of Abel's better offering. So why do women abort their children today? You know, one of the big myths is that uh, women only have an abortion uh, if it's a crisis uh, where they cannot, uh, where there's, a, there's a health issue or a Uh, a viability issue. Truth is, is that 1% of the abortions in this country are for the hard cases. It's the rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother. Listen to what Alan Guttmacher Institute says. This is the research arm of Planned Parenthood. The number one reason that women cite for abortion is that having a child would interfere with their education, work, or ability to care for dependents. That's 74% of respondents have said that it's for reasons of convenience. Friends, when it comes to protecting an innocent life, we are our brother's keeper. This is an issue of great concern, and not just to protect that life in the wound and to to be their voice and to be an advocate for them. We must be an advocate for women in crisis pregnancies as well. The young woman who has been kicked out of her home or left behind by her boyfriend or needs help of some kind, we must reach out and help them. They are in a difficult time, a difficult circumstance. They must uh, be reached with God's grace and his mercy and compassion as well. When we begin to do that, care for that young, expecting, pregnant mother, uh, we will see the numbers of abortions decline, not just in Kentucky, but all across Kentucky, all across the nation. 